Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Joining me on the show this week, Sam Brooks. Sam is a mobile programmer. Uh, he runs a business just outside the Detroit area of Michigan. Uh, he's been doing this for a long time. He's got a ton of knowledge about this side of the industry, programming and some diagnostic stuff as well. He also has a YouTube channel uh, where he has some videos for programming vehicles, uh, run you through an instructional on how to program X module on X vehicle. Uh, he's got a ton of videos on there. Uh, that's Tool Hut USA. Um, and I will put a link in the show notes to that if you want to check that out. Uh, Sam also sells tools as well. Uh, so if you have some specific needs, he might be able to help you out with that. But uh, really excited to get to sit down and talk with him because, again, really smart guy. He's got a ton of experience uh, in the programming world. Uh, so with that out of the way, let's jump in. All right. Good evening, Sam. How's it going? Going all right. Awesome. Busy day. Yeah? How's uh, how's business out there in Michigan? Well, we got a new guy uh, just started recently. Uh, so now I got three three vehicles on the road doing programming. Okay. And uh, I think today's the first day he really uh, uh, made me what he was costing me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So kind of a break-even day. Gotcha. For the new guy. He's starting, yeah, well, to, starting to see all the struggles and starting to put two and two together. Where did uh, where did he come from? Was he a tech in a shop, or how'd you find him? No, uh, actually, he's uh, one of my good friends from high school's son. Okay, that he went to Purdue and got a degree in mechanical engineering, and he wanted to do performance tuning. And we just got to talking, and I told him, you know, I'm willing to send him to to school for the performance tuning, but he's got to prove his his worth to the business first. Okay. Okay. And so it's one of those, you know, show me what you can do. Show me that you're committed to this and then we'll, huh. we'll see what we can do with you. <laughs> that's uh that's interesting that you'd go to um, what, what I assume is kind of a, you know, a high level school for something like that and then not directly go into that field. Well, he's, uh, he, to be honest, he's had several interviews with some manufacturers. Okay. And uh, I don't know what the discrepancy is, but uh, the what they're offering him for wage is, is trivial. And he huh. just, you know, I'm, I'm sure once he gets his feet wet a little bit uh, out here for a year or two, then, you know, I don't know. I don't know how it'll go, but he's got a passion for the performance stuff. And uh -huh. he's got to understand the programming and the how the car works, I think, to before he can go to the programming yeah. or to the performance tuning. 
That's that's what I always told my students in tech school. Of course, you know, a lot of them want to go that route is performance and, you know, yep. tuning and all this stuff. I'm like, well, let's let's figure out how it works first yep. <laughs> and then and we'll figure kinda, out. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I started with him. But he's young. He's um, I don't know. He's 24, 25, maybe. OK, maybe not even that old. Um, but he's good with technology. He's good with PCs. And I thought, well, I can teach him the part of the car that I need to, to teach him. Sure. I don't need him to fix the cars. I need him to understand, you know, when the tech says, hey, I put a restraint control module in it, what that is. Right, right. You know. um, do you think the younger generation coming up is going to be better equipped for, you know, some of the stuff that we're doing, programming and stuff, as opposed to... I feel like most people in shops right now just they're so lost when it comes to this stuff. Right. I mean, that's why you and I have a job doing what we're doing, but uh, maybe, maybe the younger kids coming up better with technology are going to be, I think they're going to be better with the electronics, the programming and probably the electrical diagnosis. Just my, my theory. I think they're just going to be better. Because they're used to the technology that everybody else is struggling with. You know, they right. grew up with tablets in their hands. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe not necessarily the electronics part of it, but I think that that's just part of it. I think they're going to put two and two together pretty easy, the electrical, electronics part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just sort of innate, you know, you grow up figuring out you know operating systems and it's not exactly the same as you know working on a vehicle necessarily but just having that kind of sense of how a program flows on a computer or yeah um what and that's kind of what i have found with him so far is that he doesn't understand the car but so much of the programming is making the program work you know, getting uh, the website to work. And he doesn't <laughs> struggle at all with, with that part of it. Okay. Okay. He struggles with the car side, which I expected him mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. but he's not struggling with, he's not calling and saying, Hey, TechLine connects, not, not, op- not working. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really? Cause uh, I, I'm calling on that all the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh. but yeah, he's, so he doesn't get frustrated with the websites like, like I do. Okay. Okay. He just, uh, he'll try a couple of things and he'll call me and tell me what he's tried. I was like, Oh, I never would have thought to try that, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So, well, and maybe I should have started with this, um, for the, for the listeners, do you just want to explain, you know, what you do, uh, for a career business and then how you got into it? Um, well, how I got into it. So, Right now, um, I run a business called Tool Hut, mm-hmm. and uh, we do equipment sales, diag- diagnostics equipment sales. We don't sell tire machines and stuff, hoists and stuff like that, although we have, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, um, a kind of a sales guy at heart. So if I can find somebody what they need, I'm willing to sell it to them. But at sure. the same time, you know, if I don't have a good resource for it, I'm not, you know, I'm not living or dying by selling them a tool. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather pass it off to somebody that can take care of them. But so my focus is the diagnostics, equipment sales, and the programming side of it. Um, a little bit of background. Um, I, I was a tech until about 2005, and I went to work for Vitronics. Okay. In, uh, which was had just been purchased by Bosch or ETAS when I started working there. And then we got acquired by Bosch internally. We changed divisions internally at Bosch. And so I went through that change and I was the, in 2013, I was the subject of a um, restructuring. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I went from a sales guy to a district manager to a regional manager's position with an expense account, company car, traveling all over, covering 13 states. Oh, wow. Uh, independent guys working for me. And then uh, when they acquired uh, OTC, mm-hmm. uh, I was part of that restructure, and they kept the OTC guys and threw the Bosch guys to the to the curb. Okay. Okay. So I was sub- part of that. And then uh, so – 2013, when that happened, oh, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. So our business started in January, and I got let go from Bosch in April. So I, I saw it coming. Gotcha. And so I had started. It's Tool Hut started as an equipment business, hence the name Tool Hut. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh huh. And so we started as an equipment business, and then my son it was turning. I don't know, he's 18 or 19, and I'd come home, you know, 6 o'clock at night, and my son's just getting out of bed, and i just like, no, dude, <laughs> we're going to get you something to do. So we signed up for, I signed him up as an AMSOIL rep, or signed me up as an AMSOIL rep, and he was working for me as an AMSOIL rep trying to generate some business with AMSOIL, and I bought him a, or we had another J box or something. And I told him, I says, you know what? I get these calls all the time. People want these, this shit programmed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to teach you how to do the Ford and GM. I'm not doing nothing else. We'll just do the Ford and GM. And, and, okay. uh, and I don't know what happened. It just blew up. <laughs> <laughs> it was a total accident. It, we had no intention of it. You know, we were looking for two or three jobs a day. And uh, it was kind of as a sideline, you know, we're going to run the equipment, we're going to do the AMSOIL, and we're uh-huh. going to uh, do a, a little bit of programming. Well, that, that was going to be one of my questions, is I was wondering if, you know, you recognized a need for that in your area, uh, and that's why I, you decided to I, go that way. No, uh, I recognized the need, but I didn't want to be that guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> why, uh, why not? Well... I saw it as a conflict of interest to the equipment sales. Mm. So I'm selling guys equipment, training them to do programming, and then I'm competing with them doing the guy down the streets programming. Gotcha. Okay. And so it was kind of a, a tough pill to swallow, I guess. The the, uh, the programming dragged me in kicking and screaming, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I did everything I could not to do it. <laughs> but it just it just happened and then one day uh 
my son says, you know, I could probably do three or four of these a day instead of one or two. Mm-hmm. And so we put put together some flyers and mailed them out and uh, talk about shit hitting the fan. <laughs> 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 yeah, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. And you're you're outside the like Detroit area, is that correct? Yeah, we cover uh, Metro Detroit. I'm from the big city of Flint. Oh, okay, okay. Um, well, I'm just outside of. I'm on the outskirts of Flint. I'm actually in a uh, a little town that doesn't even have their own post office. So oh, wow. we 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 have a Flint zip code because of where we're at. But gotcha. we're almost as far south as you can be and have a have a Flint mailing address. Okay. <laughs> so. um, and uh, yeah, so I imagine there's quite a few shops in the in the metro area there. Um, what do you think? Is there is there an overarching reason why it's so popular? I mean, why? What is it about like programming control modules that? shops struggle with well i think it's the biggest thing i think is that they don't do enough of it okay and you know mm-hmm. you know you go into a shop and you'll program a ford for a couple of weeks and i got to update the ids you got to update the firmware and the vcm2 just to make this the thing work you sure. know you gotta um you know and when i and i still sell programming equipment when i sell it to a shop i always recommend that they pick pick their battles you know, pick a manufacturer that you want to program that you feel that you're going to do enough of it to justify having the tool. I don't care which yeah. one it is. Just, you know, if you're going to do it, do the do the manufacturers that you see a lot of. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and actually, my best customers today have their own programming equipment. And I like them the best because they understand what's going to happen when you go to program a car. Yeah. Well, and they they probably understand the value of what you're bringing in them too, because yeah. they've they've struggled through their own version of it, and they're like, okay, well, yeah, this one's on Sam. <laughs> yeah, and I got a lot of shops that'll program GM and Fords with a J box, mm-hmm. um, and they'll call me for the Chryslers. I got a few shops that have their own Chrysler tools, and they and they do all the domestic. Okay. And then they call me for the Honda, Toyota, Nissan. Uh, you know, BMW, Volvo, you know, all the oddball stuff. Yep. So our business has grown in leaps and bounds in what I call the oddball stuff. Sure. You know, yeah. Yeah. When you can be the solution to to the problem um, or, you know, when something doesn't go right, they got a number to call. I mean, I, I'm sure you do as well. I have shops that call me that have the, the wrap box. Oh yeah. Um, you know, doesn't always work. So what do you do at that point? Uh, you know, if you can be the guy on the other end of that phone, uh, that's, that's definitely where the business comes from and you be, you build value with that customer. Yeah. And it's, um, and I, I really think that the shops that do programming are more inclined to call a mobile programmer that, that has an OE tool for a job that they don't necessarily do all the time. Sure. You know, they understand that, Hey, we're putting this transmission in this BMW. It's going to have to be programmed. Mm-hmm. And they know that when they estimate, and then all the shop understands the, so it's not, 
they're not calling you at three o'clock on a Friday and saying, I need this done today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, they, I have they a called few on those. Monday and said, Hey, this, you know, this should be ready Thursday or Friday. Can you get out here by the end of the week? Yeah. They, uh, they didn't realize until they put it in and tried to drive it that, Oh crap, this thing needs to be programmed. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll call and say, Hey, before I estimate this, does this need to be programmed? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'm okay with that, you know, and a lot of times I'll stop and look it up on all data or, uh, something just to see for, I understand they've got the resources to do that themselves, but yeah. maybe the all data is using some terminology that they don't understand, you know, set up and, you know, does that need to be programmed? Uh, you should be able to do that with your scanner. Sure. If you can't, sure you know, I can do it. This yep. is what I would charge, but I'm not offended if they do it themselves. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I found just being honest with, with shops as much as possible. Um, it is huge just to build up that trust and saying yeah. like, yeah, Hey, okay. That tip them doesn't need to be programmed. Just push down the fuses or whatever, you yeah. know? Um, and it can go, it can definitely go a long way. Um, and, and we still have shops that insist that we program the tip -ums. Okay. They're not releasing the car. and uh, Whatever. <laughs> sure. I'm good with that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we do a lot of them. Yeah. And we yeah. do a lot of them used, but, you know, it's because uh, they'll call the dealer and the dealer says, oh, those, you can't do those used. And they got VIN mismatch codes and mm -hmm. they call me and I say, oh, yeah, I can. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, again, yeah, having that solution for that uh, used or discontinued module or whatever it is is yeah. is another avenue and a thing I've been running into more and more lately, especially with all the shortages and stuff. Is yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you got to go that route. Yeah, and I I have matter of fact, I got uh, you can't see it from where you're at, but I got two GPEC two computers on the bench right now that I've taken apart and and cloned them. I did two yesterday, did two today, and I got two Kia computers to do tomorrow. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So, I'm staying staying busy doing that. Yeah, that stuff's fun. Um, it, it's a lot of work and tooling and research and stuff, but I've uh, the small amount of it that I've done, I've enjoyed quite a bit. It's just getting in there. I have a module open on my kitchen table right now <laughs> has a driver burnt out, and I'm going to try to sw swap it out. I just it was actually one I just programmed for a shop. You know, they just replaced it, and I was like, "Hey, can I have that old one?" Yeah. Just, I've got one. Of the, I got a Ford over there with coil driver out of it too, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I've got a couple of uh, Chrysler computers with the voltage regulators out of them. I'm going to see if I can't repair those. All for the the alternators that won't yeah. charge. Okay, okay. The four plug, whatever they call it. Gotcha. Plug. Yeah, I had a. <laughs> what was it the other day? I was a Nissan, I was an old Nissan Quest or something like that. And, uh, the, it, so it ended up, it had a bunch of holes in the bottom of the module just rotted through. And I was, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to bother with that one. Cause it's all full <laughs> of like crusty stuff. I was like, yeah, you could just hang on to that. I'm not going to yeah. try to mess with that, but yeah, burnt, uh, burnt driver or something like that. I'll, I'll definitely give it a shot and see. And then, you know, if nothing else, I learned something from it, but maybe I have a module yeah. I can. Well, I've got an accumulation of uh, ECMs and PCMs on my shelf over there Okay. that, that I've gotten from shops that uh, either didn't fix the car or they did fix the car. And I just wanted the computer as a 
to open it up so I could see what was up with it. Sure. So, but I'm not really selling computers at this point. Um, maybe at some point, but right now it's more of experimental, you know, take it apart and see what, see what broke. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. And uh, yeah, figuring that stuff out helps you if you need to diagnose something, you can know a little bit more about the internals and what fails and stuff like that. I haven't had the time to mess with them. I keep accumulating them, but they just accumulate on the shelf. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That pile of, uh, they've got notes on them, but I'm sure I'm not going to be able to read when it comes time to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My, my pilot projects always seems to get bigger and bigger that I want to get to. (laughs) I brought two home today. (laughs) (laughs) I just stuck them on the shelf. Sure. sure. Yeah. That's, uh, that's it. I mean, it's, it's crazy how many different avenues you could take uh, within the auto industry. Um, you know, when I just got into it as a student in tech school, okay, I'm just going to be replacing parts on a car and understand like all the different paths that you could take and all the different little areas you could be an expert in, you know, you could be, you know, yeah. I had, uh, of the whole time I was working on cars, I, uh, when I was in shops, I owned my own shop for a few years. I worked at several dealerships, mm-hmm. uh, worked at several independents. I was, uh, uh, I was the guy I always figured my goal was to wear out a set of wheels on a toolbox. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did stick around it anywhere very long. Um, but you know, and, in, in hindsight, I think it helped me because I saw a lot of different atmospheres in shops. Sure. And, uh, so I got a lot of different experiences, but I didn't, you know, I probably didn't stick around long enough to get the full gist of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of my things I think is really cool about being a mobile tech is getting to see how, Oh yeah. You so can many tell different from the shops. outside of a shop when you pull in now, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's just so, there's so many different levels and so many different ways to do it. But yeah, you walk into a place, I, th- I think one of the things that's the worst about a really bad shop is the lighting. If it's like you walk in and it's like a dungeon and you can barely see back there. And I'm like, how can these guys work in this? Cause yeah. I've been in the other, the opposite where it's lit up extremely well. You know, they got all kinds of lighting. You can see everything you're doing. <laughs> I'm like, how do these guys do it? But, yeah. um, there's so many different ways to do it. Yeah. There's so many shops in, uh, in the Detroit area that we go to in the winter that don't have heat. Oh my God. I mean, that's just as bad as here. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know how they work out there. And, and the crazy thing is that's the shop that always wants to pull the car. In. And I'm thinking, well, it's zero <laughs> degrees outside, zero degrees in the shop. What's the difference? Oh man. I'll truffle through the snow. I'll just do it outside. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I, I no, I'm sure that, you do too, but we do a lot of stuff in the, in the parking lot. Oh yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, and it, to me, it's more in, it's inconvenient to pull it in most of the time anymore. There's times well, that it needs to come in, but. Especially if it's a you know little two or three bay shop, you know, and you're taking yeah. up half the shop to have the car in there. If I can get to an outlet, I have no problem doing it outside. Yeah. But yeah, there's, I those... mean, there's, there's exceptions to everything, but uh-huh. you know, there's, 
I'll tell if it's a job that I know I'm going to need it on a lift, you know, I'm going to have mm-hmm. to get numbers off the trans or I'm going to have to get, uh, get to the connector on the trans or something. Then yeah, I'll call them ahead of time. Yeah. If I want to be, use their, you know, hardwired to their modem or, or something, something yeah. like that, I'll set it up ahead of time. But sometimes it's nice too. I don't know. Do you have shops where you'll have technicians that come up and just want to blah, 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 just talk and talk and talk while you're trying to do something? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't mind talking to techs, but I have guys that will come up and they just will not leave me alone. So I'm like trying to, you know, type I, I in. don't, I don't run into that very much. Okay. Okay. And, uh, usually it's, a uh, the biggest conversation that we have is I'll be in a shop, a guy will come over, and he'll uh, hand me his phone number and a card, and he say, he'll say, well, next time you come here, I won't be here. I'm going to be at blah, blah, blah shop. And uh, he says that if they don't call you already, I'll make sure they start calling you when we get there. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> and it's usually the tech that never says anything to me. And then all of a sudden, he's over there, you know, you got to come to our new, our shop, you know, or I'm opening a shop down the road or, you know. Sure, sure. I, I've gotten a number of referrals that way of, you know, tech that works at one shop and then he, I don't know, quits, oh, yeah. gets fired, that's goes a, to another an shop. Ongoing, <laughs> yeah. That's a it, good, good way to grow it, your business. It 100% is. So I, I definitely try to be, you know, as friendly as possible with all the technicians. I mean, not that I wouldn't, otherwise but it's definitely been a great referral yeah. to get yeah, me to other places to, we don't anymore we probably should but we used to pass out uh business cards on magnets because they stuck to toolboxes oh sure sure <laughs> and, <laughs> nice we haven't done that in a while but i still see them stuck to guys's toolboxes okay okay so sometimes they got things drawn on them but you know whatever sure so, okay, so 20, you said 2013, so you're coming up on 10 nine years of years, business? Eight and a half years. Or no, nine and a half years, coming up on 10 years. Nice. In January, it'll be 10 years. All right. Yes, it's almost 2023. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. absolutely crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, who would ever would have thought 10 years ago that this is what I'd be doing? Like I said, it's... Uh, I've got more OE tools now than that I ever thought I would own. What um, when you buy a new tool, whether I mean whether it's OE or aftermarket, what goes into your decision making process to say, okay, this tool is going to be worth the money I'm spending on it? Well, I have a I have a weird analogy when it comes okay. to buying equipment. <laughs> if I don't have it. And I think I can use it. I buy it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So there's not, I don't put a lot of, uh, you know, adding another tech. I've had to put some forethought into what am I going to put in, in his car? Yeah. You get some um, doubles of stuff. Yeah. Um, but like I got a Volvo dice, you know, there's not a lot of guys that got a Volvo dice. I got a Honda, right. uh, whatever that blue tool is. I can't even think of what they call it. DSTI. Okay. okay. Um, I've got the Nissan Consult 3 with the VI2. I have not bought a VI3. Actually, I did buy a VI3, and then I sold it. 
<laughs> to a customer that needed it. Okay. Uh, so uh, I told you I'll sell it. You know, if a customer needs it, I'll sell it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, so I went back to my VI two because there's no reason, nothing you really need the VI three for yet. So, and there was no real reason to sell him the VI two. I didn't think. Uh, I've got an old uh, Mitsubishi Mutt three. I probably used it twice in five or six years. Uh, I'm not afraid to take on a challenge. It's one of my other issues. You know, I got a BMW tool. I got Volkswagen Audi, uh, Bentley. Mm-hmm. Um, if I feel like I can use it at some point, uh, I'll buy it. <laughs> okay. I gotcha. I got Mazda. So I got Mazda, Nissan, Honda, and Toyota. All OE, the Subaru. Do you have the the Subaru factory? I do. Yep. The, okay. Oh, the one that looks just like the DSTi. <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole lot of people out there that are using that yeah. outside of the dealership either. Yeah, it's, and it's a genuine one, but I don't have a legitimate subscription for it anymore. Okay. So. Um. So it's more about being able to say yes to it whatever. Is. My analogy is, um, and I could be completely wrong, but it's worked, is customer calls and he says, you know, I program my own GM, Ford, and Chrysler, but I got this Mitsubishi in the in the lot I need done. And I feel like if I could tell him, yes, I can do that, then the next time he needs something, I'll be his first call. And sure. if, I can't, if I say no... You know, even though the Mitsubishi tool has not paid for itself, I think it's helped retain customers. Yeah, I uh, I, I can agree with that with um, a couple of the tools that I've had. I, I think when I first got the Nissan tool, it was specifically for that reason because I service a lot of transmission shops. And I, I think now I am, but at the beginning, I definitely wasn't doing enough Nissan you know, CVT stuff to warrant it, but there was a frequency enough where I would have to say no. I didn't want to, I wanted to be able to say yes. So I could get my foot in the door with that shop and then get the, you know, the Ford solenoid strategies and the GM yeah. TCM. Well, it was and kind it, of odd. The, when I bought the Nissan tool, I was using uh, NERS and R2R software uh, with Cardec three. And I was, you know, between NERS and R2R, you can get just about everything done you need to get done mm-hmm. and then i was at a shop one day and there was a guy there selling a dealer nissan tool oh no kidding there's the laptop the vi2 with the act well he said it had an active subscription on it it did but it was really old it was a really old version of okay the consult three and uh and it was a super fair price and he the Shop owner looks at me and he says, you interested in that? And I said, yeah, I'm interested in that, but I'll give him blah, blah, blah dollars for it. And he says, okay, I'll take it. And I said, all right, follow me up to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And he followed me up to the bank and got him some money. And and from the day I bought that tool, I've probably done three to four Nissans a week. So it's, uh, and it was, the plastic was still on my VI2 when I bought it. Oh, nice. It had okay. never been used. 
I I purchased mine like right after they removed the laptop restriction. I don't know if that was two two three years ago where they did that, where they said, okay, fine, you can just use it with that, yeah. any other you know laptop, and that's that's when I ended up getting it. Um, and uh, yeah. but yeah, now I wouldn't I do, have bought it if I didn't get the deal like I did on it. Sure, sure. Well, because I would today, but <laughs> prior to that, yeah, it was crazy money. You're spending eight, nine grand if you wanted to buy the whole setup, yeah. you know, brand new. Um, but uh, it's uh, with all the CVTs, and then I'm seeing a ton of the uh, like Pathfinder Armada yeah. uh, style transmissions lately that I've been doing, and it's it's de- it definitely pays for itself at this point, but um. Yeah, that ability to say yes to people is huge uh, with what we do because, you know, people call us to be, hey, this is the guy that can do it, you know? Yeah, and I do have uh, a locksmith that I work pretty close with, too. I, I cut keys, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, I also pick my battles just like I, you know, like I recommend that shops do. I pick my own battles, and uh, there's times that I just don't. You know, I don't want to get involved. I just, uh, sure. I don't, it's, I don't think it's profitable. It can be, um, but it's not for me at this point. You know, it's if, but if I got a, a light afternoon and a guy calls and you got an all keys lost on a car or something that I can do, I'll absolutely go, go do it. Yeah. That's a, that's a skill set I'm still developing is to recognize when something is, a worthwhile event, you know, adventure or when it makes sense to say no. Yeah. Cause it's going to eat up too much of my time, you know? And, it, and I started with, uh, when I started sending him stuff, I was sending him the Euro stuff, the stuff that I really didn't want to get involved with, you know? Gotcha. And, uh, it, it, today I do a lot of keys, you know, a bit of shop, just like you probably are that they don't have two keys for that Ford, that old Ford sitting there that, going to require two keys when you're done so that's yeah. how we started doing keys and that's still our primary business uh but then they'll say hey by the way this i need a key for this malibu or this impala or this rendezvous while you're here if you got one mm-hmm. and so we cut a fair amount of keys doing that and i'm fair on my pricing i think for keys but it's still profitable you know sure but at the same time i don't drive way out of my way to do a spare key, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, uh, I'll put it in the schedule and when I'm near there, I'll do a spare key, but all keys lost is where the one he's at for the locksmiths. Right. And, right. And for me, uh, you know, I've got leashes and I know how to use the leashes, but I'm not real good at them, you know, so I might spend, you know, 45 minutes doing an all keys lost on a, on a GM or locksmith could be in and out of there in 15 minutes and it charges the same money. What, uh, what key cutting, uh, tool are you using? I have a miracle a nine. Oh, you like that one? Yeah. I bought a, uh, well, I've got two. My son's got the X horse, uh, XP 005, which is the manual machine or the XP 007, I guess is the, is the full manual machine which is the machine we started with just for duplicating those mm-hmm. Ford keys. You know, that's what we bought a key machine. That's what we thought we'd be doing. Sure. You yeah. Know, just like starting with the programming. I thought a J box would do 
<laughs> do what we needed yep. to do. Yep. So uh, you quickly learn that that's not how it works. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that, that's how you learn is you're at the job. And you're like, Oh crap, I need this. Or I, I could have used the, a key for this thing. So yeah, I have a whole box of different Ford keys that I can just have ready when I get to that shop. I don't even ask anymore. I just go. Cause I have, I, I don't have all of them, but I have most of the Ford keys in a box. And so when I get there, I'm just like, well, Hey, you want me to cut you a key? And then it just upsells the job a little bit. Yeah. So Yeah. And if they've only got one key, I always suggest that you know, they should have a second key anyway. Even yes. If it's a parameter reset car. That's, that's a, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Oh, they should just, you know, and sometimes they'll just say, no, the customer's not worried about it. Okay. Well, just remember mm-hmm. all keys lost cost more money. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. So, and, uh, so that's how I do it with the keys. And then, uh, one of the things I wanted to to discuss on this was uh, for shops for understanding what goes on when you program a car. Sure. You know, just um, what to look for. What does it really need to be programmed? Does it? Uh, what are some of the hangups for that we hear is is uh, mobile guys we hear and it's just it's just not feasible things that they're calling and saying well you know you program this car and the program fell out after you left <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it, it just right. doesn't happen you know it's uh it's not how it works and uh and i've learned a lot you know i sold j boxes for years and i went i made the transition from j box to oe mm-hmm. uh, and i and I still use, uh, we still got J boxes in all the cars. And sometimes you can use OE software on a J box effectively. And sometimes you can't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even though they say you can, but sometimes yeah. it's just not feasible to, to do it. You know, a good example is BMW, you know, and, and a, on an e-chassis car, I don't think it's a big deal to use a J box to program a BMW. Uh-huh. It's not as fast as the ICOM, but it's also not a whole lot slower. Okay. On an e-chassis car, and a lot of um, aftermarket tools, the Autel, the Topdon, um, there's there's several others that will actually program an individual module on an e-chassis. Sure. Yeah, and right so through you the don't scan need to call tool. A programmer for that, you know. Yep. Uh, what year did they switch to the F? I think the transition started about oh nine. Okay. So there was a there was a few years. I'm not a BMW expert by any means. I just brought up the BMW and the J box as kind of a uh, conversation. Sure. You know, and it's uh, I have an ICOM, a genuine ICOM. Okay. Um, and I use it pretty regularly, and I'm a big fan of it on the F chassis. BMWs, okay. F and G chassis, and uh, but if you're going to do programming on BMWs and it's a you're working on a 2015, I don't know what the, the chassis numbers, but a 2015 BMW, and all you got's J box. I'm going to tell you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put put the tool down. Uh huh. You know it it's going to be a problem. Sure. And. Uh, and I really think that a lot of the 
J2534 manufacturers and you know, just because BMW says they support it doesn't mean it's recommended. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's a number of examples like that where you know, you have the option <clears throat> to do it J2534, but is it quite right? Are you going to run into some issues? Is key cycles going to be a problem? I think that's Volkswagen. Yeah, that's a Volkswagen Audi thing. Um, and uh, there, there's a number of other ones. Just weird glitches, right? That yeah. where if you're using that factory tool, it just breezes past it. You don't have that that problem. You know, um, that's where, yeah, that's where again we're having those tools and being that guy that can can do that stuff is valuable. Yeah, and it's and. You know, I think that I think there needs to be some kind of resource for text to look that stuff up. And I've and I've got a website, and I've considered telling my website web guy that you know I want to put a resource like that on the on the site. But you know, the biggest problem I got is a lot of stuff's in my head. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's wrote down well, okay, that was, was going to be one of my questions for you. Actually, is you've obviously done this for a long time and you have a lot of knowledge in this, you know, particular area, this field. What do you do for documenting information and recording stuff? Cause I find it tough to remember all the details as time yeah, goes and, on. And I've tried different things. Um, uh, most of it, uh, just learn over again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you learn it twice. Sure. Sure. And, yeah, and it's terrible because I'll sit there and I'll say, I know I've run into this before. I know I've done this. I know this error. And uh, I'll give you give you an example. Um, I was programming a 2005, uh, Sat- 2006 maybe. I don't know, 2000, a Saturn relay. Sure. It's a Uplander with a Saturn badge on it. Mm-hmm. And the PCM continued to fail programming and I made a decision. I've got tech two and I've got old version of TIS and I'd made a decision that I was going to try the remote telling the scan tool that it was an uplander. Okay. Put the right vent in, but tell it it's an uplander and doing it remote and it worked. And, uh, everybody tells me it's, that shouldn't have worked. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did it. <laughs> yeah. And I've documented that I've done it. Um, and then the same type of vehicle, the uplanders with the automatic power sliding doors, you have to pull the sliding door fuse or the PCM will fail. Oh, okay. And it's just, it's just stuff like that. That just, there's so many tips and tricks after you've done this a while that, you know, you learn, and they're not they're not well documented right you know. right they're in my so, you, head. so you're talking about having like a a website that somebody could access to say okay i'm gonna do this job what precautions yeah, I'm gonna, should I'm i gonna take? do a uplander and it it may not have specifically the 2005 uplander but it's going to say uplander pre-08 mm. or uplander relay or whatever the other lookalikes are whatever the i'm not good with all the manufacturers names of vans <laughs> sure yeah there's quite a few of them out there so yeah so it just uh 
and a lot of times I'll t- I'll call a, a terrain an equinox when I'm sitting in it. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> and I so, always got to look at the steering wheel and say, "What's the logo on the steering wheel?" For for whatever reason, for the longest time, I called what was it the the GMC Acadias. For I I don't know how I came up with it, but I thought there was an R in there. I thought it was yeah. Arcadia. I kept calling them Arcadias, and somebody somebody actually called me on it one time. They're like, "There's no R in there." I'm like, "Oh really?" I look at the back of the car. Yeah. I'm like, oh, "I'm a dumbass." I've been looking yeah. at it. Well, it's it's <laughs> funny when the Traverse first came out. I called it a Transverse for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I stopped and looked at the the nameplate one day, and I thought, "Hey." <laughs> Well, words not there. We we used to have just, uh, you know, as technicians in a shop, you just come up with fun names for vehicles, and we'd called Ford Explorers, Ford Exploders, with legitimate reason behind that because they were pieces of shit. But (laughs) I remember I called up a customer one time because I had to sell my own work. I'm like, hey, sir, uh, Mr. Whatever. I've got your Ford Exploder here. And like, it just slipped out of my, <laughs> my mouth. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Explorer. And he was yeah. cool about it. He had a chuckle from it. but <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, re- I remember we had a service writer uh, that started. Uh, I was working at a, a tire place. It was a brake and front end job. Yeah. And a customer came in. Uh, I didn't see the customer for, for a vibration. And I go... Uh, the service writer comes down and he's a new guy and he always got got to harass the new guys. And, uh, I told him it was loosen up behind the wheel <laughs> <laughs> and no more than I said it. He turned and I walked away and I was like, Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and he got on the, on the phone and called the customer and told him there's a loosen up. Behind the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch him. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, yeah. So I, I learned to be careful about what I say to the new guy. <laughs> sure. Yeah, uh, we used to send the the new, uh, uh, you know, GS uh, person, the tire tech, or whatever you want to call him. So we wanted to go over to the car wash that was next door to get the squeegee sharpener. We're like over there, we need the squeegee sharpener from there. And some of them would be like, oh ha ha. And then we got a couple of them to go over there and actually ask for it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you gotta have some fun in this job. Yeah, that's for you've sure. got to. There's too much, too much going on to. Yeah, not have fun with it. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I was in a shop the other day. Had firecrackers sitting on the, <laughs> sitting on, <laughs> on his cart. And I thought, oh, here's the. This guy's a lot of fun to work with. Yeah, I yeah. looked for I looked for a lighter because I was going to throw one, but <laughs> but I don't smoke, so I didn't have a lighter in my pocket. But, uh, I'm sure if there'd have been a lighter there, somebody it was the first time I'd ever been to the shop. So yeah, I had a had a ball with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. It, that's the sort of industry too. You get a bunch of, you know, guys, especially if they're younger in their twenties and stuff, and then there's no work to do. I don't know, shenanigans yeah. <laughs> yeah. begin to happen. <laughs> that's just the well, way it goes. And that, that's the other thing I think that helped me was I grew up, you know, kind of working in shops and I'll walk into a shop now and I'll walk right underneath the car and, you know, just duck and not even think anything of it. And yeah. Somebody will say, Oh, you've worked at a shop before. <laughs> Sure. I'll step on an air hose and, you know, not trip, you know, and it's uh-huh. 
Yeah, or, or have you been in a shop where one of the air hoses, the end comes loose, oh, yeah. and it's just <laughs> all over the place, and I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I've been there before. <laughs> yeah, been there, done that. Yep, yep. Um, it, I'll tell you what, though, doing doing what we do, it's it's very specialized in a certain area, and you got to know electrical, and you got to know the computer side, but man, knowing the car side of it sure does help a lot. Yeah, yeah I agree huge. with you. And I, and. You know, I don't, right now, we don't do any diagnosis in us in the shops at all. Okay. Uh, we were, uh, we just don't, we just don't have time for it. There's just too much programming going on. Um, I kind of miss that part of the business. I like the, the challenge of it. Uh, but at the same time, the money's in the programming, it's plain and simple. Sure. I, I completely understand that and I so, see it more. Day yes, every and, day and so today we do more given trying to give them direction you know i was mm. at a i was at a shop today they had put a uh brand new from the dealer computer in a 2002 yes you heard me right 2002 town and country <laughs> wow <laughs> and uh and i was there to to program it and it's a pretty simple program but i got a drb3 so uh-huh. you know, I do it, do what needs to be done to it. And, uh, the TPS is five volts. It's a crank, no start. Okay. And the original, that's not the original complaint. So I showed the tech that, Hey, you know, there's something wrong with this computer. The uh-huh. TPS is five volts. You can sweep it and it doesn't sweep. And the other, uh, computer that was in it had an EGR fault. Okay. Uh, and the car started and ran. It just had a, a problem with the EGR. Sure. And then, uh, you know, the coolant temp was 148, and it's like 40 degrees outside. You know, something's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something's wrong here. Uh-huh. And uh, for some shops, for some mobile guys, that's probably tough because they don't understand the car side of it. And I do, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I can scroll. And I'm not any expert, but I don't mind giving a guy some direction. You know, I've programmed the the computer and it's still doing the exact same thing. I'll spend a few minutes trying to, you know, Hey, this is what I would look for if it was, if it was me working on this car. Okay. Okay. You know, and I think that has a lot of value to it as well. Definitely. Yeah. You know, and I'm probably not always right, but sometimes just to, a clean slate having somebody else glance at your work yep. helps a lot too. Oh yeah. I've, I've found that so many times. It's just, just talking to somebody else and getting some pointers and some direction. They, they most of the time don't give me the exact answer. Sometimes they do, but most of the time they don't, but it like nudges well, I'm not, me to I'm not move trying there. to give them silver bullets. I'm trying to give them direction. Yep. You know, Hey, I noticed this and maybe they hadn't noticed that, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they had, you know, mm-hmm. um, but like that TPS and like say, knowing that the original complaint wasn't a crank, no start. I knew right. that, you know, well, this is a problem. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. So um, we unplugged the computer just to make sure that it didn't cross some pin, you know, bend some pins over stuff like that. But there wasn't. So yeah. <laughs> got a bad one. Yeah. I see a no, lot of that anymore. I see more bad computers in the last, right off the shelf, in the last year than I've ever seen. 
Well, just parts in general. It's been absolutely crazy. I just went through this on a Toyota where it's brand new parts and multiple failures with the new parts. I just, man, it's so, it's so tough for the tech. And I mean, I, even I struggled going through it, you know, second guessing myself and stuff like that. But that's, that's what we're dealing with in this industry right now. Yeah, I just uh, one of my last diagnosis uh, diagnostics that I did was a, a fuel pump control module on an eleven uh, Sierra Silverado type truck, and it was an, it was a uh, the truck came in as a no start. Mm-hmm. They put a fuel pump control module in it. And I programmed the fuel pump control module, and now it had a rich condition. And they were trying to they'd put eight injectors in it. Um, trying to figure out, you know, it's overfueling and it's obvious that it's overfueling and it was the bad fuel pump control module. Okay. Wow. But they had struggled with that truck for a few days and I can understand how come they struggled with it because that's the part they replaced. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, exactly. the truck didn't run when it got there. So was it running like this prior? <laughs> you know, nobody knew. Yeah, exactly. The customer didn't know. He said, yeah, it wasn't running good. So, and it probably wasn't running good because the fuel pump control module was failing, but Mm -hmm. his not running good was probably a lean condition and the taxi in a rich condition, you know, you can't put the two together because the customer doesn't understand the difference, but that's kind of a struggle for tax, you know, just with the garb, the parts are just garbage. Yeah. 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 I mean, like you say, even sometimes getting them from dealerships, it's no better. Oh, yeah, um, there's, that's no better. <laughs> um, I, that's where, if you are doing the diagnostic side of things, is really, you know, having good testing methods and being able to trust your your testing equipment and the results that you get and have an expecting result. Otherwise, you're, you're completely lost. Once you've replaced everything, it still doesn't work. Yeah. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's so bad because a lot of times these, in my opinion, these techs that are throwing parts are taking off better parts than they're putting on. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. When you see a OE part laying next to the car and there's dormant part in there, you're like, <laughs> okay, well, let's see, can we get that one back on there? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no, I'm charged to the customer for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I've, I've never been that guy. I guess it's, I've never been the parts changer guy. Um, I'm not going to say I've never thrown a part at a car try, trying to fix it. Yeah. But, you know, I've always tried to, uh, I've always took pride in what I did, I guess. Even when I was working with tire shops and stuff, we had several times that we, uh, we found broken wires for O2 sensors and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I was a tire guy, or, you know, working at a tire shop doing brake and front end work. And uh, but there was lots of stuff that stuff that we shipped away too because we just it wasn't profitable. Yep, you know, doesn't make sense. Yep. No, I I worked at Firestone for a long time, and that's that's how it was. If it wasn't something that you could solve in an hour, it wasn't worth the time and so send it down the road and we'll do the next set of ball joints or brakes yeah. or tires or whatever um, and i think that's a hang-up that a lot of shops get into is they try to they feel like they've married the car mm-hmm. where if they would just you know cut their losses and 
call the customer and say, hey, where do you want this thing towed? Let's send it to a shop that's better equipped, better yeah. capable of doing this job, whatever it is. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I hate to pick on shops like that, but sometimes you need to pick your pick your battles. And you need, you know, you just need to send that car down the road. Yeah, well, I agree, and especially nowadays with. I know you can tell me if it's the same thing for you, but so many of the shops that I go to are so busy. Their lots are just full oh, yeah. of cars. And, and, and they have a car buried to a bay? No. Send that yeah. sucker down the road. <laughs> yeah. And, and it may be an easy fix for the guy down the road. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, and that's the other thing you always got to think of is that if that other shop, you know, if they're a primarily a Euro shop and you're not, and you've got a European car that is not a simple fix, you know, just send it down there. Get down yep. there and knock on his door and say, hey, I got one down here. I'm going to send you, you know, just introduce yourself. And I think that this industry is missing a lot of that. We don't have a lot of shop owners that communicate with each other and trade jobs back and forth. No, now, there is it- some, but I don't think there's enough. It's a lot of competition. It's a lot of tearing other shops or technicians down, you know, just to their customer. Like, oh, that place is crappy. Don't go there, you know. Yeah. Um, that doesn't help anybody out. Yeah, I see it especially down in the down in the city of Detroit. We see a lot of guys that just marry these cars. Yeah. Well, and I, I've been there, too, um, just – doing doing this stuff or as a technician where I, I i have a problem where like i really want to solve the problem like i i gotta figure it out but is, that is definitely definitely not profitable a lot yeah. of the time yeah. <laughs> especially well, if it's intermittent I, I, and that's one of the reasons i had to stop doing the diagnostics is because i would get so <clears throat> wrapped up in i gotta figure out what the hell's wrong with this car yep yep you know and and that's not any good, I don't think, for a, for a mobile guy because, you know, you're down there. I'll, I got to where, you know, I'm an hour into it. If I don't have some kind of direction, it's time to time to cut my losses and move on. Yep. And, uh, and I've had several vehicles that uh, I've had towed to my house or I went and picked up and brought to the house and just told the customer, hey, I'll work on them when I got when I got time, I'm going to be fair with you, but I need a commitment of, you know, X amount of dollars to sure to solve this problem. And, uh, you know, I had a, it had an F one fifty that was an intermittent no start. And I don't remember what year it was. It was a probably an 05 or an 06 era F one fifty. And, I thought it was interesting because every time I went to the car, the battery was dead. And I think okay. I did a, a YouTube video on it. Um, and so I was trying to figure out if there was a, if it was related, you know, was the no start really the battery was dead okay. or were they cranking the battery dead? Cause it wouldn't start. <laughs> and sure. so I wanted the, I wanted to be in control of the car Yeah. and the guy was, it was right at the beginning of COVID. He wasn't working. And he said, just, he said, I need it to work. You know, he said, I don't have a lot of money to spend on it, but at the same time I need it. You know, that's my primary vehicle. So if you can, 
you got it for a couple of weeks. If you know, if you can't do it in a couple of weeks, then you know, I'm going to figure out something else. Yeah. And what I had found was that the air conditioning relay was sticking on and it was drawing the battery dead. Oh, okay. It was a very interesting problem. And I actually found it by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things happen by mistake, you know? Sure. And, uh, it was interesting because I was checking uh, PCM powers and grounds, trying to figure out because uh, it was a no-com at the, at the time. And uh, I was checking powers and grounds, and I looked over, and the key was off. And I thought, hey, I got power where I shouldn't have Yeah. with the key off. <laughs> okay. So, so it was uh, – it was kind of by mistake, I guess. You know, I was che- I was doing checks, but I wasn't had put two and two together at the time. Gotcha. And uh, just started unplugging things on the circuit, looking for a uh, like I call looking for the odd man out or looking for the asshole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I pulled the AC relay, and as soon as I pulled the AC relay, the uh, clutch turned off, and I thought, "Oh, you son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> so, because that'll do it. <laughs> yep, yep, for sure. And yeah, it, it's super satisfying to get to that yeah. in conclusion and figure that out. But it, I'm sure it took you a lot of time. Well, uh, I had to, to get the get it to die before yeah. I could get it, before I could because I'd go out and start it every morning. I start right up. Uh huh. And I like, and then I went, and I still didn't know at that point if it was a crank. No, you know, a customer says it doesn't start, and you know, it's been to a couple of shops. They've put a PCM in it. They've put a fuel pump module in it, you know? Yeah. But every time I get there, the battery's dead. And right. I hadn't, hadn't figured out, I couldn't get anybody. The shop that referred me was a body shop. Uh huh. And it was, and the, they didn't really know, you know, yep. maybe the key got left on, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and so I needed, I just, for my personal satisfaction i had to see what was happening yep yep and uh and so i didn't throw any parts at it i didn't even really scan it i just you know what's it do i want to know i got to duplicate this problem yep and i went out there one morning and nothing it was dead as a doornail and i thought okay well, <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're going to start our diagnosis then. <laughs> i i Why remember it dead <laughs> I remember struggling uh, with that question with customers frequently at Firestone uh, when an engine wouldn't start, and I wanted to know if it cranked or not. And oh, yeah, that's a... Understandably, know you know, people, your average person, they don't know what starters and engine yeah. compression and all that stuff, but I'm like, does it go ruh, 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 or does it not do anything? And some people just, they can't give you an answer. So you're kind of lost on which direction yeah, to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's always, that's always been a challenging question in this industry. And I don't know why that is. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I always thought it was this easy question until I worked, uh, worked at the North end of Flint for a while. And I, and they, it cranks, but it won't fire. I like, what? <laughs> do who? Yeah, I I hear a lot of people say it won't catch. I'm like, well, what is what does that yeah. mean? Catch what? <laughs> what are you throwing yeah. at the engine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. It's it's. I don't know. I don't know where those analogies or words came from. 
yeah in our, or in our industry but <laughs> you know I, st- I kind of started a I started my YouTube channel by accident as well I started that as a uh, as a resource to give my customers to go for these common questions I was going to do some videos instructional videos on how to update the <clears throat> the Ford software the Chrysler software at the time GM software okay and my YouTube video just kind of or YouTube channel just kind of blew up. <laughs> yeah. So, what's well, what's the name of that for people if they want to find that? Uh, that is uh, my YouTube is Tool Hut USA, uh, also known as the Car Flasher, a- aka the Car Flasher. Okay. So. And you that's got actually a what of... we're changing the name of our business to is the Car Flasher. Oh, okay. Nice. So. Um, and you got a ton of programming videos and. Yeah, mostly programming videos, some diagnostics videos, some instructional videos. It's all car-related type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I've used a few of them uh, over yeah. the last few years for sure. Yeah, I haven't probably haven't put a video up in three or four months now, but I've been busy. And now I got a new guy. I'm kind of hoping that frees me up a little bit so I can do some more. <laughs> I like for doing sure. the videos. Uh, it's not profitable, as most people know that do anything on YouTube, but it's it's satisfying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, when people comment that, you know, hey, this helped me. And I'll go yeah. in a shop today, and a guy will say, hey, I was trying to do this Saturn, and I found your video. <laughs> For and sure. I, and I did it. And, uh, and that, to me, that's satisfying, because that's the reason I started the channel, was to help my customers. Okay. And, uh, you know, it just, just like the programming business, it kind of blew up from, from there. Yeah. Well, it's just good to find a way to give back in some way or another too, you know, in this industry long enough and make some money and successful. And it's good to give back somehow or another. And hopefully people use it to yeah. do the same. Well, it's, it's like anything you do, you, you have people that are thankful and then you got, you got your jerks too. So. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of those out there. Yeah. The keyboard warriors or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I say, it's part of the, I think that's part of the reason more people don't do videos is because of all the people that cut their own uh, opinion about things. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a tough thing to just put yourself out there, uh, you know, cause everybody, everybody's got flaws and when you're when you're out there on you know social media or youtube or whatever there's so, there's somebody I, who's going to call you on something you know and, and i'm okay with that because if they're going to be respectful about it they're going to tell me hey that's not the proper way to do this mm-hmm. i'm okay with that sure or you skipped a step i'm okay with that you know mm-hmm. show me what i did wrong yeah I, i'm open to that you know mm-hmm. but if you can't show me what i did wrong then yeah yeah there's much (laughs) there's a difference in uh you know hey hey you know you skipped us up or whatever being respectful or the the opposite where people are just you know complete jerks about it just because that's the only reason that they're online is to to tear somebody down you know but yeah Yeah, so i have i've had my you know people like that on youtube too and it kind of slowed me down a little bit mm-hmm. on the YouTube stuff, and then uh, 
I just don't. I just don't care anymore. You know, I'm gonna <laughs> do it. Mm. So, yep. I want to do what I want to do. I'm at an age well, now that I'm gonna do what I want to do. I'm gonna do it the way I want to do it. Yeah, I like that. And the, if it's helping people, all the better. Um. Okay, so I got I got one final question for you here. Okay. So if um, I got a lot of people listening to the, the show and a lot of younger technicians that are in shops and stuff, if you had some advice for a younger person in this industry, you know, who knows what direction they're going to take, but w- what would you tell somebody who's just starting out in the automotive Stay field? Stay off the tool truck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have an opinion about tool trucks and new guys, and I think I think they've been very harmful to our industry. I think they've scared a lot of young techs away. Uh, young guys, if you're, if you're starting out doing this and all you can afford is Harbor Freight tools, the experienced guys are okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, until you get your feet wet, till you start making some money, use that Harbor Freight stuff till it, till it falls in the trash can. Sure. Yeah. That's my opinion. And it's, uh, if you're going to get on the tool truck, do not buy a toolbox. Buy a set yeah. of screwdrivers and pay off a set of screwdrivers. Buy a set of wrenches and pay off the set of wrenches. If you're getting on the, if you leave, if you're a, haven't been in this industry five years and you get off the tool truck with a toolbox, I think the tool truck, tool truck driver should be shot. <laughs> yep. No, I, I saw that so many times myself where yeah. I said 10 grand like toolbox. I, said, I think the, that's the, that's one of the big problems with our industry is the tool truck drivers just bury the new guys. And then mm-hmm. the new guys, you know, they don't see a way out of where the tool truck guy has put them. And so they move on to do an HVAC or move on doing electrical or, you know. Yep. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And I, I tell my students the same thing as, I mean, especially that $10,000 toolbox, that's not making you money. And right. maybe if that's what you want, eventually you can get there. That's great. I have no problem with somebody who wants a nice toolbox, but um, like get those tools that are actually going to make you money. Get those swivel yeah. sockets. Start making some money first. Yeah. Fill get up that, that toolbox with tools that make you money. Yeah. Yeah. Get that. That, that those... you got to put the chain around every night to, to lock it up, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> well, it's falling apart. I always thought I was like, if they really want to get in there, yeah, they'll get in there. Um, yeah, but I'm but, just saying it's it, yeah. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You know, years ago I went to, uh, I was moving, I was moving shops. I, I've never been a, a tool truck toolbox guy. I've never been that guy. I no, had yeah, some yeah. tool truck branded toolboxes, but they were old trade ins that I bought cheap. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I was, I was moving, I was going to another shop and I had an interview that was a super nice shop. It was a long drive and I get there and the owner of the shop says, Oh, you don't have a snap on toolbox. You can't work here. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I looked at him and I says, are you serious? And he says, yep, I'm serious. And I pushed my toolbox back in the truck and down the road. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, uh, that, to my that's, my opinion, it's, it's the the toolbox does not make the tech. No, no. I 
Well, I, I still have the toolboxes I had when I was uh, tech at Firestone, but I had the, I had the dumpiest toolboxes. And what I did was just like, once I ran out of space in one, I bought another cheap one and just pushed it next to it. Because yeah. <laughs> the, the Snap-on guys there every week, you need a bigger toolbox, you run out of room. I'm like, nah, <laughs> nah, I'll just push this one over here. And yeah. I got two dumpy toolboxes, but you know. I, I, that, I had a... Uh, two Sam's Club toolboxes next to each other. They were bolted together, and I, the <laughs> wheels had uh, had buckled under on one of them, and I had welded <laughs> welded legs underneath it. And the same thing, a snap eye guy, Matt guy, you know, all of them were in every week, and they're like, "Oh, you could really use a toolbox." And, yeah, the toolbox does just fine. <laughs> it, yep, yep. Drawers open, a box. I still yeah, got a craftsman. I got a craftsman toolbox at the house that's about to fall apart, and. I think I'm going to go buy a Harbor Freight toolbox to, to replace uh-huh. it. But, you know, I'm just working on stuff here at the house, so I don't need yeah. anything fancy. But I'm going to, you know, I got enough tools out there still, and I'd like to have them in a decent box. So then the mm-hmm. Craftsman box, the been out, you know, it's in a garage, so it's a wet environment. And, uh, the bottom of it's rusting out of it. Sure, sure. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall over. <laughs> i could i could weld the bottom on it but i think i'm just gonna buy a toolbox yeah yeah the the, the harbor freight stuff isn't too bad so yeah yeah so yeah the harbor freight stuff wasn't around when i was you know it was craftsman or uh you could go to a couple of different places there were places like harbor freight but they weren't popular like they were like they are today yeah oh yeah it's technicians especially young technicians have so many options for buying tools with i mean it's good to buy them from somebody who can you know offer you support and warranty in that but just you can do the shopping online just to see is this a legitimate price you know what am i getting for this um that that was huge i wish i had that when i was starting out just to be able to pull out my phone which i didn't have at that time (laughs) but to pull it out and be like yeah we had phones but they flipped open you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah and use them to make phone calls believe it or not (laughs) exactly (laughs) i'm old enough that i remember walking to the walking to the gas station when i was a kid with 75 cents to get a gallon of gas for the lawnmower and having enough money for a candy bar so (laughs) okay (laughs) After and I they, bought the gallon of gas. Yeah, and they, they still had the payphone at the gas station. Yeah. 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 And the guy still pumped it and washed the windshield and stuff for you. So the the first shop that I worked at was a full-service gas station, and uh, they're not around anymore, but it had the little uh, air tube that was out so people drive yep. up the bell. Would I got one at my house. Stuff. I got oh, no kidding? Those, yeah, I got an air hose <laughs> at my house. for. I was kind of surprised you haven't heard it go off. <laughs> it's my driveway alarm okay uh, okay because we've tried some of those uh expensive driveway alarms you know that that sees the car go by yeah it work Didn't so work. i bought a i bought a driveway bell <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, ding ding yep they yep. probably hate it but you know it works uh, yeah it works is it, is it work in the winter time too when it's cold uh not so much you know the snow Okay. Uh, packs okay. up around it. Gotcha. But typically, what I do is I pull the hose out of the way and I snow blow and then I put it back down so it's good until mm. it snows again. Gotcha. Or it okay. The ice or something, but yeah, right. Know. But we got a seven hundred foot driveway. 
So it's, oh, okay. It's nice to know somebody's pulling into the driveway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Because they can sneak in on you. Right, you know? right. Cool. Well, thanks for uh, spending your evening with me here, Sam. I really appreciate it. Sorry about the delay getting started here. <laughs> oh, no. No worries at all. So, I got yeah, to... Uh, Hopefully it was can help somebody or hopefully encourage somebody. Yeah, doing programming. I know we didn't get into real deep into some subjects, but yeah, well, we can, and you know, maybe in the future we could pick a specific topic or something like that. But um, what I found is just people hearing from other people that are doing this and successful and passionate. It just gets them going and wanting to be better and keep going, right? Because sometimes it's job sucks <laughs> you need you need some outside no <laughs> influence just be like all right it's worth it i gotta keep going and just so you know it's not all gravy sitting being the mobile guy either yeah not even <laughs> close <laughs> it's got its own frustration to get to shops and the, oh it's been a frustrating day and then you hook up and it, you can't program the chrysler because the server's down and you're like oh i just drove 60 miles to yeah. Gonna have to come back tomorrow. <laughs> yep. Yep. That that stuff that's outside of your control. That's the worst. Because yeah. it, it works one minute and it doesn't the next. That's mm-hmm. the problem. Yep. So Well, like um I think it was uh Ben that we we're talking to today. You guys both did the same control module today and yep. yours was twenty minutes and his was like three and a half well, hours. I or think something. we figured out what the difference was finally. Is it the like hardwired? No, the it, difference was he did an update and I did a PMI. Oh, okay, okay. And I didn't, and I told him I said I did not check that module for an update when I was done because that's mm. one of the drawbacks with PMI is because it doesn't always put the latest calibration in it. It configures the module. Okay, okay. It doesn't always do the update. Gotcha. And, I, and I'm terrible for it because I don't always go check for an update. And, you know, mm-hmm. that was a, uh, uh, what do they call it? IPMA, IPMA, image processing module. Okay. So it's a camera. For Is the that the one of, on the windshield? On the, um, yeah, I think that's the one in the windshield for the front. Okay. This one might've been in the grill. I don't remember. Uh, I don't really pay attention to where the modules are. I'm there to program it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter to me where it's at. And, uh, I did PMI on it. I had to use as-built data because the original one was, was gone. Uh-huh. And uh, it took 20 minutes. But it was a body shop that uh, that I can't get a good internet connection to. So I just, you know, I just walked over to the router, plugged in. Mm-hmm. Uh, plugged in my cable and went to work on it it's it's a shop that i made all the time so it's you know i know where the ports are and i know how to you know i walk in with the cable because i know my internet doesn't work there. <laughs> and they don't have wi-fi because it doesn't work good in the building you just got like a hundred foot or is it on a reel or anything uh, or? i've got a i've got a hundred foot i got a 50 foot i got a 25 foot okay so i got a variety of gotcha cat five cables okay and they're a pain in the butt to keep wound up because they don't wind up well. Right. That's what, that's what I was wondering. designed to be unrolled and rolled up all the time. 
<laughs> exactly. Uh, no, I, I got the same thing. I had a, I had a 50 foot one and yeah, trying to get it real, like rolled back up into a neat spot. I was like, what the heck? I got to get one, I don't know, like a reel or something, but I couldn't uh, find it one. It doesn't help. I got one on a reel too. And it, my hundred foot's on a reel and it's a jumbled up mess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got to buy one of those super flexible ones from Amazon or something. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. I want to give one more big thank you to Sam for joining me on the show today. Really appreciate it and enjoyed getting to sit down and talk with him. Uh, make sure to check out his YouTube channel. Again, that's Tool Hut USA. Um, that's going to be a link in the show notes you can click on and go right there. Um, but also like to thank everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. But with that all out of the way, let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.